Aren't you so glad that he is Lord of all? No matter how messy this world is or how it looks out in our world today, he is Lord, he's in control. Relax. Take a deep breath. He's in control. Aren't you glad? The problem is us giving him control, right? But he is controlled. So let's pray and just go home because that was good. Right there, that worship was good. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I've, I've got my fill and worshiping Christ and what he's done. And I'm just praying that God would just speak to our, our hearts today. I, I wanted to just share something with you real quick that we're very excited about at, at Living Word. Um, one of the things we want to help you do is obviously grow in your walk with the Lord and help you to make next steps in your walk with Christ. And we uh, started something last spring called Rooted. It's a 10-week experience, small group, 10-week experience. You get together, study God's Word together, you pray together, you fellowship together, you do a work project together. And, and this is for everyone. I think sometimes uh, small groups can intimidate people because they're like, well, what if I don't know what to say? What I love about the Rooted group, it's, it's people on every spectrum in their walk with the Lord, whether you're a new follower of Jesus or you've been following Jesus for a long time, I really believe the strength of our church comes from small groups and that fellowship that you gain with one another and praying for one another and caring for one another and growing in God's word together. And we have a a rooted small group 10-week experience coming up starting at the end of September. We're going to have a a real push next week. Sign up for it next week. Many of you went through the spring one and the testimonies of what God did in those groups and individual lives was amazing was amazing. And so I want you to experience that too, if you have not yet done that. And so be praying about it. Uh, If that's the next step that you want to take, we want to encourage you to do that. We'll have more information next week and to sign up next week, and we'll be forming groups for uh, the fall. And so just be praying, praying for that, that, uh, that if that's where God is leading you to take that next step, I believe you will most certainly uh, be blessed. So be in prayer for that. We're continuing our series of looking at character. And looking at godly character, what does it mean to have godly character? And what we discovered is Jesus cares more about who you are than necessarily what you do. He cares about how you do what you do. Many times we look at, at, at character as talent. How talented is this person? And we can overlook the character behind the talent. God cares about your heart and how you do things. God cares about your character. We define character as this. It includes our thoughts, habits, temperament, judgment, attitudes, motives, and behavior. All these things make up our character. And as a follower of Jesus, this is one thing that we are called to. And we are called to holy living. And so we're going to talk about holiness today. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Those watching online, don't tune out. We're going to understand what holiness is and what holiness is not. Listen, you can be good. Catch me. You can be good and not be holy. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. Now, you think that's a, that's a, huge, that's a, that's a huge task. I mean, how, how can I do that and even think about uh, being perfect? Because we think of that as equated to being perfect and not making no mistakes in our lives. We're going to understand what is true 
holiness. Have you ever been called holier than thou? Maybe you first became a Christian and some of your friends looked at your changed life and were like, oh, now you're a holy roller. Remember that? That's an old term. Like, I used to think holy roller. Are those Christians that wear roller skates? What's the deal with holy rollers, right? And so they, they begin to look at your life because of the things that you stop doing. And so they try to condemn you and say, oh, you're holier than thou. Or, or maybe even Christians that look down on other, other people by the way they live and, and they begin to be called holier than thou. But, but what, does, what does holiness truly mean? And to, to understand holiness, we must look at the character of God. Because the very character of God is holy. The very character of God is holy. When we think of holiness, we tend to think of moral living or right living before God. When we hear words like holy and sin in our world today, it's usually used sarcastically. It, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking not in, you know, we just think of it, we don't think of it very seriously. And we don't think of those words. When was the last time someone asked you, are you holy? Are you holy? Right? Or when's the last time you thought to yourself, am I holy? Right? We, we may use terms like, are you good? Because if you were to ask someone, are they good? Most people are going to say what? They're going to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good person. That's not the question we're answering today. It's not whether or not you're good. It's if you're holy. God calls us to holiness. And so we we need to ask ourselves, am I living a holy life? Not are we living a good life. Because the problem with our goodness, we tend to compare it with other people. right? Other people think they're good in comparison to someone else who's not as good as they are. And even Christians can do this, can't they? Because they look at their lives and they'll see another Christian mess up. And usually what is our first thought? Is it, man, I really need to pray for that person, that brother, that sister? Or do we kind of measure ourselves? Do we secretly feel superior to that person because we feel like, well, I would never do that? Is that holiness? Survey says, eh, okay. We want to look at what true holiness is. I love what W.S. Plummer says here about sin. He says, we will never see sin aright until we, until we see it as against God. That's our standard. Our standard for holiness is God. Now, before you get like all defeated and like, oh my God, I could never measure up to that. Just wait, just wait. See, our holiness must never be seen apart from God. That's the mistake we make. That's the mistake Christians can make in our pursuit with God and our righteous living as we begin to turn inward and we can become self-righteous. Look at what I do and look at what I don't do. And we wear that as a badge of honor to say, look how holy I am. Survey says, eh, no. And I, listen, I grew up in church when I got young, and I know a lot of it, there was a holiness movement, and it was sometimes legalistic, and I know people meant well. But so much of it was based on what you, what you wore, what you didn't wear, how long your hair was, how long your hair was, and whether you went bowling or not bowling. I know that sounds crazy, right? And I know they meant well. But sometimes it turns down a bad road of what you do and don't do to prove your holiness. And what we're going to see today, it's so much more than that. And I'm not talking about loose living and just living the way you want to. It's a higher calling 
for those that are followers in Jesus Christ. Our holiness is not based on what we do, but on who we are in Christ Jesus. And we're going to unpack that. So my identity in Christ will be seen in how I live. Not look at all the things I do and don't do, and then look how righteous I am. It's a wrong way to look at it. So if God calls us to holiness, what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16. Let's see what, it, let's see what Peter says here. Because he tells, he tells his readers, listen, be holy. In his letter, he says, be holy. He says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, to be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Father God, I just pray that you would show us your true holiness and how you desire us to live holy lives. Speak your word into our hearts, Lord. Those of us that are walking in condemnation today because we feel like we're not measuring up because of the failures in our lives, help us to see beyond that that it's not dependent on me, but in our relationship with Jesus Christ, who is perfect, who is God, who did everything for us. We thank you so much, God. And we do thank you for Ruth being in the service today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to see Ruth. She's back there somewhere. Yeah. We missed you, Ruth. I was, I've been picking on you for like two months, and it's hard because you're not here. So we're so glad. Thank you for your prayers for Ruth. She's a, she is an incredible, incredible person. She is tough. She's tough as nails. So we're glad to have her back. We love you, Ruth. So what, what is Peter saying here? Peter is encouraging us to be alert and to be sober, that you're called to holiness. The, the interesting word there for sober is this Greek word, napho. And it, it literally means not to be intoxicated, or it, it means to be calm. And what, what he's saying is, in order for us to walk in holiness as obedient children and not conform to the desires we had before we became children of God, we must walk with a sober mind, with a sober mind. If we don't walk with a sober mind, we'll be open to attack and allowing a substance or whatever it is, it will fog our judgment. I had a young adult come up to me and say, Pastor Bart, I've got this question for you. I've been talking to this guy at work, and he asked me that. He said that it's okay to smoke weed because it wasn't in the Bible. How do I answer him? Right? I'm going there today, people. I had my espresso this morning, so I'm going there, right? So listen. So he's like, you know, so listen, there's a lot of things that aren't in the Bible, okay? That just doesn't mean you can justify living the way you want to, right? So he's saying, what, what he's doing is, I said, the better question is, right, which I'm going to explain to you why it's important for us to understand. It's interesting when we talk about holiness and talk about living our lives. We always want to come right up to the line and say, where is the line Right? Where is the line before I cross it, before it turns into something unholy and sinful? Wrong question. See, what Peter is saying is, as obedient children, we should be chasing Christ, not asking questions like, where is the line? You hear what I'm saying? So I said, tell, tell your friend this. It is in the Bible, by the way. It is? Yeah. First hesitation says, do not smoke weed. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. 
It's right here. Sober-minded. Sober-minded means anything. I don't care what it is, what substance it is. Peter says, keep your mind alert so the Holy Spirit has complete control and not this other thing that keeps you from knowing God the way he wants you to know him. Amen? End of discussion. So that, that's, I just leave it there. So I said, go back to your friend and tell him that. And tell him just, you know, listen, just get saved. Hell's hot and it's long, okay? For eternity. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. See, what we want to do is, in our pursuit of God, is we want to look for loopholes. We want to look for, how can I get around this with it being okay? Wrong question to be asking. Peter says, be holy, for God is holy. So what does this mean? What, what are we looking at? Holy living most certainly has to do with how we live our lives. So let's not mistake what, what he's saying there. It has everything to do with our morals and our righteousness and our integrity. But I want us to see that it's so much more than what you wear. It's so much more than whether your hair was long or short. All the things that were placed on me as a kid sometimes and as a young person that caused me to walk in condemnation. Once again, I'm not saying that people were wrong, that I grew, people were trying to, 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 to pursue God, but sometimes in pursuing God, we add man-made rules to try to make you something to be something and just adding condemnation on your life. I'm sorry, a little, little tender spot in my heart right there. Okay, I'm sorry, just came out. But listen, what is holiness? Why does God want us to live a holy life? And I want us to see that it's so much more. I want you to see the difference between living a good life and a holy life. And what Peter does is he quotes the book of Leviticus and the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And he quotes from Leviticus. For us to truly understand what holy living is, we need to understand what it means to be consecrated unto the Lord. So here's what, here's what Peter's alluding to. Le- Leviticus 11.44 says this, For I'm the Lord your God. Consecrate, that's the word we're going to look at, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. So the answer to the question of holiness, we must understand the word consecrate. To be holy is so much more than what we do. It's actually who we are, specifically who we are in Christ. So let's understand the context of Leviticus, right? We think, oh my gosh, the Pentateuch and reading through Leviticus, I was born, I'm reading through the Pentateuch right now, and it's hard. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be locked in. But there's a reason. There's an understanding here of why God was very stringent in how you approached him. So here's what I want you to understand. Here's what God does. Takes Israel out of Egypt, remember? Takes them through the Red Sea, takes them out of Egypt, which symbolized bondage and sin, brings them through the Red Sea, symbolic of a baptism through water. And what does he do? He brings them into the wilderness. For what purpose? The purpose was, these are my people and I've called them out of darkness, and I've called them into light to have a relationship with me. You're going to live in the wilderness. You're going to disobey me. They're going to be there for 40 years, but they're going to learn a lot about God and what his standard is because he is holy. And so what God does is, if you read through the Old Testament, read through specifically the Pentateuch, what God does is he sets up these standards to show them that he does love them. 
that he cares for them. That everything he did, he did for them to bring them out of that bondage and to call them unto himself. Listen, 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 listen. God did not bring them out of Egypt just to throw a bunch of rules at them. Here are the Ten Commandments. Obey them. That's not the reason why he, that's one of the reasons he did. But the reason why he did that was this is how you have a relationship with me. The commandments are all about relationships. Your relationship with God. Boy, I'm hyped up this morning. Your relationship with God. Your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. That's what they are. And if we just get them, we're going to have a great relationship, a healthy relationship with God, and a healthy relationship with one another. And so what God does is he shows them, this is what it means to approach me. So there's a a tabernacle or a tent in the middle of the camp as they're in the wilderness. And what God will do is he'll show Moses, I'm going to set up priests. I'm going to have a high priest in the line of Aaron. And this is how you are to approach me because I'm a holy God and nothing unholy can ever approach me. And I called you, man, I'm out of breath. Whoo, I'm getting my aerobic workout. And I've called you out of Egypt to show you how you can approach me and have a relationship with me. But you got to do it my way because I'm a holy God. And if anything comes into my presence without being consecrated, they will die because I'm holy. Because I'm holy. So what he does, he shows Moses all these stipulations on how you're to approach them. There has to be a sacrifice because of their sin, because of the penalty of our sin. There's going to be an altar. There's to be blood spilled on the altar. Only the high priest can enter into the holy of holies. There's a curtain that separated the holy of holies from, from from the holy part of the tabernacle. And only the high priest can go in once a year. And once a year is called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And that's where the priest first would have consecrated himself, then bring the, the, the blood offering for the people, and then come into that holy place. That for that time, their sins would be atoned for and be covered. But they had to do it year after year after year. And the reason was, God was telling them, I am holy and you are not, and the only way you can approach me is through a sacrifice. The only way you can have a relationship with me is through a sacrifice. So the high priest had to cleanse himself. They had to atone for their own sins. They had to make a sacrifice at the altar. And what was interesting, I'm going somewhere with this, what was interesting about the temple is that everything in the tabernacle or the temple was holy. Now this causes us to ask the question, well, how can an inanimate object be holy? How can all the furnishings be holy. See, what's interesting about the temple is that the furniture was considered holy. So how can an inanimate object be holy? Well, let's gain a deeper understanding of what God considers holy. We're getting somewhere, so just hold on. We're getting there. So what God does is he instructs Moses on, on, the, on the way the temple was to be set up. So let's look at Leviticus. You never you think you're going to come to church and read Leviticus. This is awesome. I love it. Okay, Leviticus chapter 8. Here's what Moses was to do. Then Moses took the anointing oil, we'll talk about that in a minute, and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it. And so to consecrate them, there's that word again, consecrate them. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the, the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to do what? To consecrate them. 
Verse 12, he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to do what? To consecrate him. There's the word over and over again. Consecrate, consecrate, consecrate. The key to holiness is found in the word consecrate. Okay, what does that mean, you're asking? What does it mean? Consecrate means to make holy by giving to God. They're giving this to God. It means to purify. The things that were in the temple must be pure. Nothing unpure can be in the presence of God, which the tabernacle or the temple represented. Moses was to take the oil and anoint Aaron. Aaron was the first high priest to minister before the Lord. Now I, know, I want you to notice that Moses also anointed everything in the temple. So what was the purpose of Moses anointing the temple with oil? What's the purpose of that? Well, it was to separate the items unto God for worship. God demands our worship. He is creator. He is everything. And what he's doing is he's setting up this temple to say, these things are separated under me as holy so that I can be worshipped. The basic idea of anointing has to do with aroma. This is very interesting. Because if we read in the Pentateuch, there's a specific way they were to uh, make the anointing oil to anoint Aaron and everything in the tabernacle. It was a blend of myrrh, cinnamon, cane, cassia, olive oil. And they would, it would produce this very particular smell that you couldn't miss. And when someone came to worship, when they came to the tabernacle, when they, when they came to that place to worship, the place was holy because they equated it with the aroma that was in the tabernacle because it was so stringent. And what God is wanting to remind them is that this place is different. This is set aside for me. This isn't a common place. This is a sacred place that's set aside for me. See, now the anointing oil, it wasn't a little dabble, do ya? It was actually a five, they, they, they were five gallon buckets of oil. Now, when I was younger, I dated my wife Kathleen in high school. And... Um, to try to get her attention, I would like to wear the cologne Stetson. <laughs> hey, I, hey, don't laugh. I married, okay? She married me. It was the Stetson. And uh, sometimes I would get a little bit ambitious, let's say, with the Stetson, where she would pass out from the smell, <laughs> or she could smell me miles away before she saw me. Um, but I want you to get the idea here, the, the image or the odor coming from the temple. You see, the purpose of the anointing oil was to consecrate holy articles in the temple. That was the purpose. So what was God instructing Moses to do by anointing Aaron in the temple? See, we're going to see that it's, just, it's more than just morality here or right living. It begs us to ask the question, Pastor, what is, what is holiness then? Here is what holy means. Here's the Hebrew word of what it means to be holy. 
The Hebrew word for holiness means set apart or separate. God called Israel out uh, out of Egypt to separate them from worldliness, to bring them unto himself, that he would consecrate them, that they could worship him. The temple or the tabernacle was the center of that because that's where the presence of God was. There was a purpose for the separation. The purpose of the separation was a calling unto God. It was God that made those things holy. It was the anointing oil, the smell of it, that was a reminder that this place is different. This is a holy place. This is a place where we come to worship God. This is a great image of a wedding day. A great image. A husband, the word of God tells us, leaves his father and mother and unites her or clings to his wife. There's a separation and then there's a clinging. You see, God wanted Israel to cling to him. And sin separates us from a relationship with a holy God. Now, I want us to fast forward that. When Jesus comes, the Son of God, who is God, who became that perfect sacrifice, who tore down the separation that sin had between us and God. And so through Christ Jesus and his once and for all sacrifice, we now become righteous in Christ through his work and his perfect work. God separates us from the world through Christ unto himself through his son Jesus that we may now have a relationship with him, that we might worship him. See, it's not just about doing good things. It's about being able to worship God fully and know him fully through relationship with Jesus Christ. So, That's why marriage is a sacred thing. God is blessing the marriage. He's consecrating the marriage to becoming one under the headship of Jesus Christ. And that's a whole sermon within a sermon. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. So here's, here's what holiness is to God. Holiness is God calling us to himself. He's done everything possible to reach us, to call us to himself by his grace and by his mercy. God is holy because he is distinct and separate from every other thing. There is no one like him. God wanted Moses to separate that which was sacred from that which was common. So God is saying, this place I have separated unto myself. It's, it's distinct, it's different, and that's the definition of holy. God separates us from the world to him through the work of Christ Jesus. And so this is what the apostle John explains that makes a follower of Jesus Christ different. We should be distinct from the world. There should be something different about us. There should be a sweet, this is good, ready? A sweet smelling aroma about our lives, that people, when they look at us and when they talk to us, they're like, there's something different about you. What is different about you? How come you're not complaining like everybody else is in the office, right? How come blah, blah, blah? Listen, we're all going to make mistakes, right? We're going we're to make, 
But a life that's seeking the holiness of God and that separation unto God walks humbly before God and admits their mistakes. So when you drop a bad word in front of other company, maybe family or whatever, they're like, whoa, I thought you went to church. That's some nice language, right? Listen, how do we react? We tell them, well, at least I'm not going to hell, right? Is that how you react? No, that's not, that's bad. That's bad. Don't do that. How do you write? You just say, you know what? Thanks for catching me. God's working on me. He's working on me. And I need a lot of work, but he's working on me. Take the humble route. See, holiness pursues God with humility, realizing that we don't earn or deserve his grace or his mercy. And here's what John says. John says, but, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. See, what God does in a relationship with Christ Jesus is he changes us, changes us through the Holy Spirit. The anointing oil in the Old Testament was an outward sign of God consecrating and separating that thing or person unto himself. And it was used to worship him and him alone. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in us. It makes us different. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and God calls us to be separated and used by him. That's what it means to be holy. When I understand that, I'm going to pursue God in my life. There's going to be things I've found that I'm not going to choose to do any longer, not because I'm wearing it as a badge of honor or I'm trying to usurp it on other people or say, look how righteous I am and look how unrighteous you are. No. When I pursue God and I understand that I'm separated unto him, that he's called me to himself through the work of his son, Jesus. Now the fruit of my life, the things I want to pursue are going to be the things that I want to glorify God in, that I'm going to be pursuing him. That I said, I don't want this thing in my life because I know I'm not going to be able to worship you the way I need to worship you, God. You see the difference? It's not about how I look to other people. It's about how is my worship unto God? How is my relationship with God? Those are the questions you need to ask. God, how is this affecting my worship on you? Because if it is, I don't want it in my life any longer. That's a life that pursues God. That's a life, a holy life that says, God, I want you and nothing else. You see, you can be moral and not belong to God. You're holy because you belong to God. And when I understand that I belong to God, and that Jesus is the source of my righteousness, I don't get any of the credit. None of the glory goes to me. It all goes to Christ. In Christ, I'm righteous, but not by my goodness. So listen, listen, listen. We can do good things, live morally, because it makes us look good. But that's self-serving. That's not true holiness. If I understand that I'm separated from the world unto God and he did everything through his son to make me holy, then I will want to delight in God and please him through the way I live now. Capiche? See the difference? See, that's what God was teaching Moses. God wanted them to be holy, consecrated unto them. 
and they couldn't do it themselves. They needed God. God says, if you do these things, you're going to be blessed. But if you go on your own like they did, that's where all the heartache came because they turned their wands on the, on the very one that wanted to bless them, love them, have a relationship with them. And the reason why God wants us to live a holy life for, for him is not to be this cosmic killjoy in your life and not allow you to have any fun. He's keeping you from the bondage that will tie you up, that will actually take away your freedom. A life that pursues God through relationship with Jesus Christ is the most freeing life in the whole world. I have zero regrets for choosing Jesus when I was 16 years old. Zero. My life perfect? No. Did everything work out? No. Was there heartache and things that happened in Kathleen and I's life? Absolutely. But God has never left us. He's never forsaken us. And I know the joy that he has in store for those who seek him and love him. There's an eternity for those whose lives have been changed through Christ Jesus. That's the joy we get in serving him here on earth. You see, God wants us to be wholly consecrated unto him. Do the things that are consistent with who you are in Christ Jesus. Live as holy people who are set apart for God. Um, when I was studying this morning, this, this, it's not on the screen, but I just want to read it to you. This just popped into my mind. I love this. It's in, it's in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And th- this, is, this is how, once again, Peter alluding to Israel being a holy nation, consecrated unto God. God called them as his own people. And here's the reason why. God called them unto himself so they could worship him, but also so they could be a light in the world of who God is. God changes you so that you can be a testimony of the living God. And here's what Peter said. This is so good. And I'll end with this. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. This is what he says. So just, this, I'm going to speak it right to us today. Like, like Peter's saying it right to you and I. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, consecrated. That's what it means. That you may declare the praises of him. Once again, so we can praise him. Consecrated, praise him. Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now we're a people. Isn't the church great? We are people, all messed up people, crazy people, but we are people now in Christ Jesus. Now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers, we're not of this world. As we are in this world, now this is what he said, to abstain from sinful desires, which Wage war against your soul. God is keeping us from that. Live such a good life. Live such good lives among the pagans, your neighbors, your co-workers, your, your, your family members, that, they, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify you. No, it doesn't say that. That they may glorify God on the day he 
visits us. You, you. That's where the sweet smelling aroma comes from. The Holy Spirit in us. Christ anointing us with his spirit that we might live it before them. A holy, some translations say a peculiar people. I like that translation. Because we're different. Let's not be different by being weird, goofy, weird, goofy, different. Let's not be different by, by yelling at the world and by making our voices louder than everybody else and condemning everybody else. Let's not, let's not make our voice. Let's be different, like what Peter says, by the way we live our lives as holy people, serving the world, loving them, living the truth, speaking the truth in love. Let's be peculiar that way. Let's be aliens that way. Let your holiness that you're now separated unto God be seen in how you live it to this world and how you love them through Christ Jesus. And guess what? They will take notice. You may be persecuted. That's okay. Because they're going to see something different in you in your life. Let them see it. Let them see it by how you are consecrated unto Christ, that you don't cut corners, that you live with integrity, that you do the right thing. So when somebody accuses you, your confidence is in Christ and you don't have to prove a thing because you're trying to please him, not people. You live your life like that, you're going to be living it on purpose. God blesses that life. That's who we should be. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Holy priesthood. A chosen people. We're different. Let's live it. Amen? Father God, we thank you for your word today. Um, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We all make mistakes. Um, we've done things the wrong way. We've tried to choose our own path. But I thank you that your holiness does not come from us or our performance for you, but holiness comes when you separate us unto yourself through your son, Jesus. And I pray, God, that our hearts would be in tune with you, that if there's anything in our lives, Lord, that we see that is, that is not in accordance to what you would have, that, Lord, we would never take for granted who you are and what you accomplished for us through Christ Jesus, that we wouldn't be asking the question, questions, how close can we come without sinning? But we would be asking the questions, how can I pursue you? What things do you, what things do I need to remove out of my life that's keeping me from worshiping you the way you desire to be worshiped so that my light can shine extra bright? Lord, change our mindset with that. Thank you, Lord, that our holiness is completely dependent on Jesus and Jesus alone and what he already accomplished for us. Thank you for his righteousness that is now imparted in our life for those who put their faith in him. We're so grateful for that. Help us, Lord. For those that feel condemned today, Lord, those that are beating themselves up because they feel like they're not making the standard, Lord, relieve them today and allow them to realize that it's through Christ and Christ alone that we are holy and it's through his works. And thank you. That, that you forgive us, that you cleanse us when we confess our sins, that you, can, that you can cleanse us and forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for that, Lord. 
Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, most of all. May we be the church that you've called us to be. We love you. We praise you. We just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's chosen, peculiar, royal priesthood children said, amen. Can we thank the Lord for his word today? Amen. God is good. Amen.